Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The most important thing, we make decisions about winning, about putting the best team on the ice. I think it's it goes beyond communication. It goes to a relationship. Here's drilled him with a right hand and missed with a wild right. Lands a right to the shoulder. You know, it's up to us to uh, get the fans excited. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins. This is Oscar Platform. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers. This is Oil Country. And this is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions. North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. Now, Bob Stoffer on the official radio station of your Edmonton Oilers, 630 Shed. Scott, back in the 630 Jet Studios. You opened up with the Smiths. Why? Because on this day back in 1982, they played their first ever live show. It happened at the Ritz in Manchester, England. Of course, they've had that long-time uh, feud uh, with Morrissey back in the days as well. This is Orders Now. It is brought to you by Digitex. Buy or lease your next office network printer from the Digitex.ca e-commerce store, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office IT and supplies. This is Orders Now, and when I mean we're jam-packed, we're jam-packed. Coming up in the show... In about uh, 13 minutes time or so, Josh Archibald, uh, who the owner signed as a unrestricted free agent, uh, and we're going to go down a path that not a lot of people know about, but it involves his dad, Jim Archibald, who was once a teammate of Dave Tippett's uh, in North Dakota. Uh, Elliot Freeman for the River Cree Resort and Casino today at 1235 course from NHL Hockey and Rogers their lead insider Mark Spector Sportsnet spec for horse racing Alberta reminder live uh, standard bread racing tonight and Sunday day out at Century Mile we'll hear from Edmonton Oil Kings uh, head coach Brad Lauer Brandon Escott had an interview with him they got to get things turned around here the Oil Kings have dropped three straight games albeit two of them have come in extra time and the Edmonton Eskimos you heard Eileen Bell with the newscast there the Edmonton Eskimos are in action tonight against the Hamilton Ticots a tough challenge they've been out east for a while and we'll talk to Eskimos play-by-play voice Morley Scott here's how you get hold of us you can text us at 630-630 on our Oilers Now text line 
and we'll get to some texts. We'll squeeze them in during the course of today's show as well. And uh, you can reach us on a River Creek Resort Casino hotline at 780-496-0063. Enjoy the new smoke-friendly expansion, Embers, at the River Cree Resort and Casino Excitement Bet on it. Brendan Escott is a big part of the show. He produces it for us. He's back in the 630 Chad Studios, and he is at Brendan Escott. Uh, Brendan with two E's, Escott with two T's. You can reach me at Bob underscore Stoffer, and the show Twitter account is at Oilers. Now, we're closing in on 40000 Not bad for the, the show. That's okay. That's more than some other shows out there. Uh, let's get right to it. Edmonton Oilers on practice today. No Ethan Barrett, no Evan Bouchard. Perhaps a precursor of things to come. The Bakersfield Condors are in action tonight as well. I'll get to the Oilers in a second, but I will tell you that the Condors uh, yesterday had Gambardella, Malone, and Yamamoto together, Benson, Marodi, and Curry, Maximov, McLeod, and Gagne, so Sam Gagne, and uh, because we have people at Texas and say, Bob, what's the fourth line looking like for Bakersfield to start the season? Uh, Esposito with Habig and Anthony Peluso, and again, we'll have some clarity on the defense probably by 3 o'clock today because uh, moves can uh, usually come down around 5 o'clock Eastern. So there you have us. Oilers on the ice today. For an extended period of time, Mike Smith was holding court. uh, Holding court with the defense. Miko Koskinen was there as well. My belief was... uh, that we would see a scenario where the goaltenders would split. Mike Smith gave Edmonton a good start. I kind of jokingly put a tweet out there on Twitter, Mr. Escott, and some people kind of got it and some people didn't. Fans have been on the Oilers to find better puck movers from the back end for years. They have. His name is Mike Smith. There are reports out there that Mike Smith eases up the amount of hits, and and Brian Burke brought this up on yesterday's edition of Oilers Now, to the tune of... 100 to 150 hits a year for the defense because of his puck handling abilities. So uh, it certainly made a, a difference for Edmonton. Uh, today at practice, the Oilers had McDavid centering Drysaddle and Cassian. Nugent Hopkins was between Nygaard and James Neal. Josh Archibald was on the right side with Jujar Kira at center and Alex Chason on left wing. The Oilers had Granlund with Cave and... Gaetan Haas and the two extra forwards was were Thomas Yurcho, who was back today, along with Patrick Russell. So that's a look. Deep pairings, let's just wait and see uh, once the moves get made later in the day. Looks like Joel Persons just waiting for medical clearance to get back in the lineup for Edmonton. To the orders now, Audio Vault for Direct Workwear, where safety meets savings in Edmonton, Fort McMurray, and online at directworkwear.com. Dave Tippett's the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers announced yesterday uh, right leg injury for one Adam Larson. He's going to be out multiple weeks due to a broken bone. Dave Tippett had this to see on dealing with Larson's injury. you got to deal with them. We talk about all the time. Injuries aren't an excuse for not winning. Somebody else has got to take the... Uh take that spot and get the job done so that's we want to be a good team all the way through every game is a different from a coaching standpoint you go through it and you shift by shift you try to maneuver your way around and find a way to win and that's what we'll continue to do all right uh so what you're telling me brendan is people can hear the space heater is that right oh let's turn that off you know because it's 14 degrees in here right now so sure let's do that 
maybe that's better. Let me know if it's still because uh, then if it, if that's not it, then it's going to be the computer and. Well, we might as well have you host the show, and a lot of people would say that's better anyways. Uh, yes, we're live, 8th floor up at Rogers Place. Bob Stoffer with you, along with Brendan Escott. Zach Cassian had a big performance the opening game of the season, had a goal and an assist, very uh, big goal for Edmonton. Game tire and a wicked blast. Here's Dave Tippett. Oh, he's, he's, a, he's the epitome of, a, of today's power forward, would because they're big and physical guys, and they can engage in the physical part of the game, but he also has the skill level to play with top players. I mean, you see his hands. His hands are really good. He makes good plays, and then he can shoot the puck when he gets a chance to shoot it. He can play with top players, and he can... He's a versatile player. He's, I still put him in the class of a role player, but there's different roles he can jump into and excel. He's skilled enough. He's got all the attributes to, to be a good player. All right, so additional thought there. We just thought that... Uh thought we'd throw that out there on Zach Cassie and Oscar Clefbaum. Let's get back to the loss of Adam Larson. Here's Oscar Clefbaum. Missing a lot of games, especially in important times. Um, we've been, obviously, we've been talking to having a good, have a good start for this season, and we did. We played a, played a solid game, uh, but we're going to miss him for sure. Um, I have a lot of confidence in, in the decor overall, um, so we're going to figure it out, but we're going to miss him for sure. He's, uh, he's a very important player for us. And uh, one more comment comes from Mike Smith on the uh, loss of Larson creating opportunities for others. Yeah, I mean, the guy's a workhorse just from the short time I've been here. You know, he's talked about as being, you know, that warrior on your team where guys look up to him. And he's he's out there last night, uh, not 100% and still uh, kind of battling for his team. So um, obviously when when one of your big, big guns go down, especially on defense, uh, is... It's kind of a blow to our team, but I'm sure guys will get an opportunity to fill in and, and uh, do our best to, to make up for his absence. All right, that's Mike Smith, uh, who, of course, got the victory, played very well in that opening game. And one of the things that everybody focused on was the uh, puck-moving capabilities, and Smith was really active. And again, active at practice today. I know Ryan Rashog from TSN tweeted out a photo link to that. Uh, very quickly, uh, here is Oscar Clefbaum commenting on that dimension that Mike Smith has in terms of his ability to move the puck. Like uh, a third defenseman out there. He is uh, he's puck-playing goaltender back there. He's having like a third defenseman out there. He is, uh, he's really good. Uh, it's going to take some time to get used to, uh, but that's a real benefit for this team, I think, uh, especially for the defenseman going back for pucks. You know, he's, he's really good with the puck and can find you uh, on the tape. So that's, uh, that's something really, we really want to encourage him to do and, and keep doing. All right. Uh, that, the, the guy asking the question there was John Sexsmith, whose son is playing tonight for the Red Deer Rebels in the uh, Western uh, Hockey League. Uh, John, I, I'd like uh, for years, and I say this because he was the best man in my wedding, uh, was a uh, far too competitive player in media hockey, which just made it that much more enjoyable when I used to wheel past them. But uh, anyhow, I digress. That actually didn't often happen. When we come back, uh, I'm not quite sure he's a chip off the old block. His dad was a legendary uh, NCAA player. He's in his first year if the Edmonton Oilers will return with Josh Archibald on Oilers now. Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6.30 Shed. All right, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer live, 8th uh, floor, Rogers Place. The practice is over. Um, 
here's what they're doing this year in the facility is they're keeping it cooler during the day to ensure that the uh, ice quality is uh, better. You would think of all the arenas in the league that probably don't have to worry about keeping the ice or keeping the general uh, overall air cold. Edmonton might be the one place you could do that. So it's a little bit frigid as our uh, current guest, Josh Archibald, is finding it. You're up here in shorts. It's cold up here, man, isn't it? I got my sweatshirt on, so I'm good. You're all right? Yeah. Yeah. I was just showing Sean May, who was kind enough to bring you up from the Oilers PR department, a uh, very famous video of a 1982 line brawl in NCAA hockey. You're smiling already. How many times have you had that discussion over the years uh, with uh, uh, your dad, Jim? Because he was, uh, to my knowledge, he he was not a big man, but he was one of the uh, toughest players in NCAA history. And there is a line brawl from night. Brendan, if you can type up UND 1982 line brawl, you can tweet that out from the Oilers Now account. Uh, how many times have you watched the video, first of all? Oh, too many to count. Yeah, when that first got brought up when I was younger and kind of realizing what was going on, oh, I used to watch that all the time with my buddies, and every new team I go to, it always gets brought up, and guys are watching it in the locker room and stuff. But, yeah, people can't believe that that's my old man, and, I mean, I take pride in that. It's pretty cool. I mean, he's, he was a little crazy back then, still kind of is, but... Yeah, I definitely take a lot of pride. Uh, it was obviously a, like they used to line brawl in the NCAA. <laughs> there, there's, there's been a, there was a couple, but there was one in the early '90s that was really ugly too. But uh, uh, and you're how many fights have you had in the NHL? Like you've had like two total, or yeah, what? a couple in the NHL, but more in the A. But yeah, you get you got Neil Pionk's number though, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, that was a good one last year. Yeah, me, anyways, see, so. I know Tyson Ash got pretty excited about that. So, Josh, uh, sort of. Tell us, you know, at what point you, you, I mean, when you have a dad that played uh, college and uh, minor pro hockey, uh, you know, had a cup of coffee in the NHL. I mean, obviously, you know, it's the old saying, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. Did you know you wanted to be a hockey player at a fairly young age? Oh, yeah. I think uh, my parents keep telling me I could skate before I could walk, but uh, I don't know if that's really true. But, yeah, I've, I started from a young age. You know, I'd go to the rink. We had an, an old curling rink. Didn't even have boards back in my hometown in Saskatchewan. So, no, which which town was this? Uh, that was Craven, Saskatchewan. Yeah, wow. small small town by Lumsden, just north of Regina. But, yeah, we'd go there every night, two, three hours, and they said they'd have to bribe me to get me get off the ice. So I knew from a small age I always wanted to play hockey and play at the highest levels. Now, I remember when Terry Poole played for the Houston Astros. He was from Saskatchewan. They, he joked that his phone number was 8 because he was on a party line, and that was all you had to dial to get there. Craven's not that small, is it? No, no. Craven's not that small, but it, it was pretty small. We the, we were known for the Craven Country Jamboree. They'd bring in some big country people for that, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Alright, so uh, how do you end up at Nebraska, Omaha? Uh, I think one of the biggest reasons was Dean Blaze. You know, okay. he, he was assistant coach in North Dakota when my dad was there. Um, he used to come up to our house in Saskatchewan recruiting players, and he'd stay with us. So I, I had a good relationship with him kind of from the get-go. Um, but, you know, once he brought me down and kind of explained everything to me, I saw the campus. Uh, I think that was uh, my biggest thing. You know, it was a great school, a great business school, and that's what I was going into. So, uh, yeah, I think everything in, in all just kind of sold me. I know I mentioned this to you when the order signed you that day on whenever it was that uh, Mike Gabinette is coaching there now. That's Claire Drake's grandson. Claire yep. Drake uh, is with the U of A program uh, for 28 years where I was the SID for a number of years. Um, so you, you end up going off to uh, to, to college. Uh, in the back of your mind when you're playing college, did you, did you think 
it was going to be possible to will yourself to the NHL, or were you thinking, I'll have a good college career, maybe have a chance to play in Europe? Because you're a little bit under, undersized of a guy. Now the game has changed quite a bit. So did you still have NHL aspirations at that stage? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, he never gave up, and I think that just drove me to work even harder. You know, I think every age I was ever at, you know, people were telling me I'm too small, you know, not big enough, not strong enough, not skilled enough, and I think that just, you know, drove me to want to get there more than more than ever. So, yeah, that was, I mean, obviously in the back of my mind, I wanted to get there and get there as soon as possible, but I knew it was going to be a longer road, and I was going to have to be patient and bide my time, and, you know, that's kind of what I've done. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you end up in that Pittsburgh organization, and they have done really well with NCAA players. We've talked about this with Bill Guerin, who's now the GM in Minnesota. Like they, they seem to f- be able to slot guys that are 22, 23, 24. Like Brandon Byro is out of Edmonton. He's playing for Guy Gadowski at Penn State. And he's been to Pittsburgh, you know. So did you go to Pittsburgh's development camp before going with the Penguins, or how did that all work out? Well, I got drafted coming out of my senior year of high school. Right. So I went into development camp that summer before my freshman year of college. So, uh, you know, that was a big learning point. You know, you meet a lot of guys there, and you meet everybody, and you kind of kind of opens your eyes a little bit more. And, you know, you, they had pro guys in there, and, I mean, Sid was in there for a couple times when we were in there for the summer. So just open your eyes to what they go through and how they become a pro, and it makes you realize what more you even have to do. For You know, you think you're doing a lot, but you're really not until you meet some of these guys. So, you know, it opens your eyes a little bit more. But, yeah, it was a, it was a great overall experience going to those development camps. You know, they really put you where they think that you need to be and kind of work with you as much as possible. You win a Stanley Cup. How cool is that? Oh, it was, it was amazing. I mean, every childhood kid's dream growing up is to win the Stanley Cup and to be a part of that organization and to be able to play and play in the Stanley Cup finals and raise that cup. It was it was a dream come true. It was, it was truly surreal. Now, you took the Stanley Cup itself down a little bit different path, did you not? Was there, was there, on a, was there a photo op or something that occurred with your day at the Stanley Cup? I'm trying to recall there. Yeah, so uh, my son was born about three weeks before my date with the Stanley Cup, and, you know, we wanted to get him baptized like uh, my wife and I had been, so... We just were talking about it, and we were like, why not? Everybody's going to be together. Why not do it the day of the Stanley Cup? You know, I just it was, we were going to do a low-key day anyways, nothing too special. And then my wife kind of was like, well, why not do it in the Stanley Cup? So I made some calls, made sure it was all right, and, you know, we got the okay to get him baptized in the Stanley Cup, and it was it was a pretty special day for all of us all around. It just shows you the uh, range that the Stanley Cup has to have, from having guys taking Stanley Cups to various uh, <laughs> establishments, <laughs> road cities, and, and that actually originated here in Edmonton back in 1984, may I add. Uh, uh, might have been the cleanest thing in the Stanley Cup. Exactly. <laughs> all right, so you end up in Arizona, and you become a victim of how salary caps work and and because you needed to be qualified as an RFA guy and that fortunately worked out for Edmonton. I know you had other options but why was Edmonton a fit for you Josh? I think one of the biggest things that drew me in you know I I take pride in the penalty kill and that was one thing that Edmonton really wanted to try to get turned around and that was gonna I was gonna be a big key piece in that or that's what they were kind of pitching to me so you know that that drew my attention a lot but you know uh uh, my dad played with Tippett in college, so, you know, when I called him up and said oh, there was a possibility of going to Edmonton and he knew of Tippett or knew know, knows him, so, you know, he had really good things to say about him and everything he's done and then, you know, just the conversations I've had over the phone with where this organization is going and where they want it to be going. I really wanted to be a part of that and, you know, to be able to play with some of the best players in the world, you know, 
McDavid and Dreisaitl and you know Cassian and Nuge. I mean that's that's something to say for itself too. So I think there was a lot of intangibles that brought me here, and I'm, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to get here. Josh, just on penalty killing, uh, and Dave has repeatedly stated, I want to build a team here. But to me, part of being an effective penalty killer is guys that have a defined role, and that's what they do. And like we had Anton Lander here, and you know what? He was he's not a great five on five player by any because he's lacked a little bit of foot speed, but he was an awesome penalty killer because he was dedicated to the job. And is that not part of it? Is you have to really want to do it because sometimes guys end up being on you know first unit power play, second maybe they're the second forward group that goes out on PK, and something ends up giving in that situation. So is there something to be stated for having a defined role? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you know you got the guys that go out on the power play and take pride in the power play, but I think you just got to have those guys that you know take pride in the penalty kill as much as those guys do in the power play. You want to go and have to want to go out there and kill penalties and uh, you know block shots and do the dirty work. Um, you know it's it's a speed game now, so to be able to have that extra speed and get on pucks a little bit earlier, and I think that helps out a lot too. But yeah, it's definitely being able to take pride in doing what you do. Josh, thanks for coming up. Just keep the headset on for 15 seconds. Sean, thanks for bringing Josh by. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back from NHL Hockey and Rogers, courtesy of our friends at the River Cree Resort Casino, Elliot Friedman. Bob Stoffer joining you live from Rogers Place. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.